Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Exurga Deus dispenter dimitrius et fugiancio derunteum mafache eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. It is extraordinarily rare that you will that you will notice that I do something like what I'm about to do today. And in truth, I'm really not a huge fan of doing the thing that I'm about to do today. Because what I'm about to do today is go toe-to-toe with Bishop Robert Barron. Bishop Robert Barron. Gee. Now, sure, you were certainly aware of the fact that there's much... um, There is much that is not in common between this podcast... And Bishop Barron. First, Bishop Barron is a prelate of the church. Bishop of the uh, Bishop of the Diocese of, Win- of Winona. Uh, I think it's Winona. I think it's a two-name thing. Anyway, <clears throat> um, I think it's Winona, Missouri. I don't. I, I don't remember precisely. But he's. But he is a bishop. He's a prelate of the church. And I am a mechanic. But every so often you hear something that is so wrong. Every so often somebody says something that is so out of it. And when it comes to the one true faith, you kind of got to step up if you know different. If you know different. And in doing a brief bit of research... I found that even I was wrong. What I understood as compared to what is. And I want to touch in on that here shortly. But first, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with the prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangelae, defende nos in proelio. 
contra nequitiamet insidias diaboli estro praesidium. Imperatili deus supplicis deprecamur tuque princeps militae caelestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende pacem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Do not try this at home, kiddies. I would say I'm a professional, but even I'm not a professional. And I'm about to, like I said, I'm about to step way outside of what is my normal domain of authority. <clears throat> but what I know, what I've been taught, what I've read, doesn't quite jibe with what Bishop Barron is talking about. <clears throat> and when I say it doesn't quite jibe, we're going to get there. In a sermon entitled, and this is actually kind of the weird thing, because Catholic preachers don't normally give sermons. They give homilies. And maybe that should have been the clue. I don't know. But in Bishop Barron's Sunday sermon, dated August 9th, 2020, entitled, The Worst of Religion, The Best of Religion, the good bishop talks about the prophet Elijah. And his particular target, what got this video clip on my radar in the first place, was his claim that the prophet Elijah one of the two men in sacred scripture who never die, who are actually carried body and soul living up to heaven, who is with the other prophet who did not die, Enoch, understood to be by the saints and the doctors of the church at infinitum all the way back to be the two witnesses spoken about in St. John's Apocalypse, that prophet Elijah, the one that in, in the Latin we say Elias, Elias, okay, so Elias, the icon of the prophets, no less, and here's where it gets, the icon of the prophets, no less. <clears throat> fired because of what he did to Jezebel's prophets of Baal. Lord in heaven, have mercy on us all from over-educated people. <clears throat> Gracious. Lord in heaven, have mercy on us all from overeducated people. Save us from overeducated people. <clears throat> to posit the idea that the prophet Elijah was fired. Fired. <clears throat> you know what? Let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about the story. 
It's in the days of Ahab, <clears throat> King Ahab, who's married to Jezebel. The Lord raises up this prophet Elias, Elijah. <clears throat> Ahab, because he's married to Jezebel, has allowed the country to fall into worship of Baal. Okay. Makes sense. <clears throat> you know, typically, typically <clears throat> the Lord raises up a, a, a great prophet in a time either when the people are under great persecution or generally when they've turned and walked away from God. This happens time and time again in the Old Testament. It's a very sort of tried and true, actually. You could say it's tried and true storytelling. But Elias is the greatest of these prophets. He's the greatest of these prophets <clears throat> because he moves with a, like, he moves with a boldness that heretofore has only been seen by the great war commanders. Prior to the prophet Elijah, I mean, seriously, you're, prior to the prophet Elijah, you're talking about King David. You're talking about Gideon. You're talking about Deborah and Barak. Like, they don't do a whole lot with the prophets during the time of the judges because the judges are actually, I mean, that's principally who the story's about. Now, you do have priests and prophets and so on and so forth, but not like Elias. <clears throat> Elias basically calls together the children of Israel at Mount Carmel and says, okay, look, you guys have been of two minds about this, all right? If Baal is the, if Baal is the cat's meow, then follow him. But if the Lord is truly God, then follow him. <clears throat> and then they do a spiritual duel. The prophets, of the prophets, the false prophets, the 450 false prophets, they set up an altar, they do all this thing, they hoop, they holler, they dance, they cut themselves, they this, that, and the other, whatever. They bleed on the altar. They do everything that they can. They do everything that they can. That false god, that demon the demon, one of the principal demons, in all honesty, one of the principal demons of the table at infinitum, <clears throat> uh, as spoken of by, by Father Chad Ripperger, well, remember, he's a demon. He can only do what God lets him do. So, no answer. Elias builds his altar out of 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. He puts the offering on the altar. He douses the offering in water and this, that, and the other. I mean, he pours so much water on it that the water overflows off the top of the altar, drains, drains down to the ground, and fills the trenches around the altar because the altar has trenches around it. Don't ask me why. I didn't build these things. Not my thing. I'm get I actually, no, I do know why. The trenches are obviously to catch the blood. Okay, so, <clears throat> the offering's on the table, the, the offering's on the altar, he's doused it in water, and then he prays, and boom, fire comes out, lights the offering, lights the offering up. The offering goes up. The fire gets burned so hot and reaches out so far that the fire reaches down and laps up the water out of the trenches. Magnificent fire, proof positive the Lord God is God. And Elias has the four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal slaughtered for being false prophets. 
This is in chapter 18. All of this happens in chapter 18. Now, <clears throat> I don't even remember what it's numbered. I think it's 1 Kings. Because I think it's first and second Samuel, and then first and second Kings, in the more modern in the more modern translations of the Catholic Bible. However, comma pause for dramatic effect. This <clears throat> is the third book of Kings in the Latin Vulgate. Now, <clears throat> going into chapter nineteen, Ahab goes to Jezebel told. Tells Jezebel what Elias has done. Jezebel paints herself up. She's hot and bothered. She's mad, right? <clears throat> and says, um, hang on. Let me quote this properly here. Such and such things may the gods do to me and add still more if by this hour tomorrow I make not thy life as the life of one of them. Speaking of the prophets, the false prophets. <clears throat> Let's see. In Latin, Misitque Jezabel nuntium ad eliam, dicens, haec mihi faciant di, et haec adant, nisi hac quaracras posuero animam tuam sicut animam unius exilis. And of course, I, Elias, it's like, oh, this heifer coming to kill me. Time to go. And so he bounces. He goes a day's journey into the desert. And when he's there, he sit, and he sits under a juniper tree and he re requests for God to take his life. <clears throat> Let's see. He requested for his soul that he might die and said, It is enough for me, Lord, take away my soul, for I am no better than my father's. Sufficit mihi domine, tole anima meum neque enem melior sum quam patris mei. And he cast himself down, and he slept in the shadow of the juniper tree. And behold, an angel of the Lord touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And so he gets up and eats. Does this for, uh, let's see, uh, one... Yep, does it twice, three times, third time, and he's like, okay, time to go. <clears throat> he goes up to Mount Horeb, or Mount Sion, as it's understood, and is told, let's see. And when he was come thither, he abode in a cave, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said, in, and he said to him, what dost thou hear, Elias? What you doing here? And he answered, With zeal I have been zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, and they have thrown down thy altars. They have slain thy prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life to take it away. Atile responded, Selos elatus sum pro domino dei exercitum, quia Never forget, dereliquerunt pactum tuum filii Israel. Altaria tua destruxerunt propetas tuos ociterunt gladio. Derelictus sum ego solus et caerunt animum meum et aoferant eam. 
slain thy prophets with the sword, and they've come for me too. And he said to and, and he said to him, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passeth, and a, <clears throat> and behold, the Lord passeth, and a great strong wind before the Lord, overthrowing the mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces. But the Lord is not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, and the Lord is not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, the Lord is not in the fire. After the fire a whistling of gentle air. Now, you'll pardon me on this one. I'm going to wrestle through the, through the Latin on this one because there are some specific words here that are kind of important. <clears throat> and he said to him, domino. Go out and stand on the mountain of, of the Lord. And the Lord passes by. And a great spirit and a great a grand and strong spirit a wind subvertens montes breaks the mountains overthrows the mountains subverts the mountains et conterens petras and breaks the stones ante dominum non in spiritu dominus so the great and strong wind passed before the lord but it was not, but the Lord was not in the wind. Let me say that again. And behold, the Lord passeth and a great and strong wind before the Lord, overthrowing the mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces. The Lord is not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, the Lord is not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, the Lord is not in the fire. Meaning, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, these things pass before the Lord. And after the fire, a whistling of gentle air. Et post commontionem ignis, non in igne dominus, et post ignem sibilus aurae tenuis. Sibulus aurai tenuous. A tenuous blowing sound. A soft blowing of the wind. A whisper of the wind. <clears throat> and I say a whisper because here's the thing. When I was coming up <clears throat> as a Protestant, in the King James Bible, it's actually translated a still small voice. <coughs> a still small voice. The good bishop, when he's giving his translation, because of course he spent time he spent time translating the Bible himself with his word on fire translation of the of the sacred scriptures, he translated himself, added his own commentary, etc. And he says, a quiet, whispering voice. Now, <clears throat> God love him, but that is not what the book says. Sibulus aurai tenuis. 
a soft, quiet breeze. It was a breeze that made a soft sound, a tenuous aurai. A soft sounding breeze, a gentle breeze. <clears throat> not even a still small voice, although a still small voice is not inadequate. But here's the rub. <clears throat> in coming up with his, in, in, in coming up with the way the modern translations kind of mess it up. And this is one of the reasons why you notice I'm bouncing between, I'm bouncing between really old English and Latin. And there's a reason for this. Because the closer to today that you get with all of the translations, the less genuine these translations are. I dare say that the King James Bible is actually closer in ways than others. Because it's older. But the King James... But here's where you run into an issue. The king of the English church and the king of England is not the Pope. He doesn't have the authority over scripture. And it proves that in the flaws in translation in the King James. Now, don't get me wrong. Of all of the English, of all of the English translations of the Bible... The King James Bible is hands down, especially if you know how to read English, if you can actually orate reading English epic prose, it is the most beautiful English translation. It is the most beautiful. But it's also not the most accurate, and it has a tendency, whenever, whenever sacred scripture is not accurately, accurately translated, it's usually because somebody, rather than translating or interpreting, kind of injects themselves in it. And when I and mind you, I use the word translate and interpret nearly interchangeable here, because a good interpreter will give you the message as it is, as best as best they can. There's going to be some things here and there. When I when I used to fly off the handle and I'd start cussing and screaming at the at, at specific Afghans who were doing stuff that was completely out of control, my interpreter would then say to them, he is very serious. And he would not say the words that are coming out of my mouth. He would simply turn to them and say, he is very serious. He is very angry. Because the words that were coming out of my mouth were guaranteed to, to strike with such offense that we could not actually have a good working relationship. Me being a foreigner in their, a, a, a stranger in their land. <clears throat> but never did my interpreter have the intent of deceiving the person I was talking to. <clears throat> and I was a quick enough study with the language that if they had that if they had an intent on deceiving me, they weren't going to get away with it. <clears throat> In this passage, the thing that sends Bishop Barron off the rails 
is the phrase that is missing in most of the newer translations of this passage. And the thing that is missing in this passage, in most of the newer translations, is, and there was a great wind, and there was a fire, and, or, and there was an earthquake, and there was a fire. <clears throat> and behold, the Lord passes, and a great and strong wind before the Lord. The strong wind the earthquake and the fire, the earth, wind, and fire, sorry, couldn't resist, <clears throat> passed before the Lord. But they were not the Lord. And Elijah knew this. Baron goes on, <clears throat> and he talks about how, you know, <clears throat> recognize many sermons and to be sure and here's the thing to be sure many sermons are basically wrong for this exact same reason the wind the earthquake and the fire if you don't understand that they pass before the lord that they come before the coming of god then you're going to be deceived because the great wind that overthrows mountain and stone. Oh, God must be in that. And most Protestants, most of the modern church today teaches, no, he's not going to be in that. No, he's not going to be in the earthquake and he's not going to be in the fire. He's going to be in the still small voice. He's going to be in the quiet whispering voice, as Baron says in this video. That's not what happens. Elijah's in the cave. He's in the cave. He's in the cave on t at the top of Mount Sinai. And the wind and the earthquake and the fire pass before God. They are the signs of his coming, but they are not him, and he is not in them. And Elijah knew this. Which is why when the quiet, excuse me, when the tenuous sounding wind passed, that's when, he that's when he covered his face with his mantle and he stepped out to speak to the Lord. <clears throat> he knew this. And this is where the difference comes into play. Because it's not like... It doesn't ever say that, Eli that that the wind came and Elias poked his head out and was like, is that the Lord? He's like, no. He didn't even think about it. He didn't even consider poking his head out to see if the great strong wind was the Lord. He didn't consider that the earthquake was the Lord. He didn't consider that the fire was the Lord. But when everything quieted down, it's like, okay, he's arrived. All of that was the trumpets announcing his coming. And now he's here. Let me go out and speak to the Lord. He knew this is the difference. When you when you listen to the way when you listen to the way most pastors talk about it, and I say most pastors because this is particularly prominent in in the in the evangelical non non Catholic so called Christian churches. This is actually very prominent. <clears throat> is they will talk about how God is in the still small voice of your conscience. He's in the quiet voice. 
In fact, there's a really great song, song called uh, the um, that has the uh, it has the opening lines in the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness. You are there. I happen to love this song. It's one of my favorite songs. <clears throat> the but it, that is born actually from this te- from this very common teaching that it's not the earthquake it's not the wind it's not it's not the strong wind the hurricane gale force winds it's not the earthquake and it's not the, in the fire that the lord is except dear family let us remember that it was in the fire that the presence of the lord was for moses That the Lord did, in fact, manifest himself in all of those things. But Elias was in tuned enough to the Lord to know that all of those things merely announced his coming. Now, Bishop Barron says, okay, well, he, God, of course, appears in all of these manners. He, he does, he's, his presence has, has manifested in all of these ways. And in fact, all three of those ways was precisely the announcement of the presence of the Lord on the same mountain when Moses was atop the mountain, and, and the Israelites were down in the valley waiting for Moses to come down with the Ten Commandments. That was exactly the announcement of his presence. But you don't think that Moses stood in the wind and the fire and the smoke and the falling rocks and was shouting at God, do you? Or was that not the sounds that the Israelites heard and Moses actually just spoke to God? Frankly. In conversation. Moses would have known this. Baron takes the fact that the small whispering, the quiet whispering voice is the one that is is the one that, that that the Lord is in was a specific manifestation as a lesson to Elias. And this could not have been the case. Because if it was in fact the case, Elias would have poked his head out for the other three for the other three signs of the Lord. He would have actually gone out and th- he would have put his mantle over his head. He didn't even think about putting his mantle over his head until those other three announcements passed. <clears throat> and the thing that drives me the most nuts is he infers that <clears throat> Elias because in the previous chapter, he's just slaughtered 450 priests of Baal, <clears throat> that he's done a ba- that Elias has done a bad thing. And that this is a way of manifesting for Elias in a manner to try and teach him that no, you don't have to go out pillaging and slaughtering. That what you did to the 450 false prophets was bad. And that is such the take of a modernist. It is such the take of a modernist. When you look throughout the Old Testament, when, when in the Old Testament has God handled false prophets gently? When in the Old Testament has God handled false idols softly? This is how this is totally how you know it's the modernist. Pope St. Pius X is famous for having is actually has been quoted that the modernist wants you to be gentle with them, to 
<clears throat> to anoint their heads with oil and use fine, fine aromatic soaps and gentle caresses, when in reality you should beat them. You should strike them with fists, and you should never count the strikes. You beat them mercilessly, in other words. You don't, you don't greet them with gentle caresses and, and fine favors. You beat the ever-loving snot out of them. Now, if I had to pick between Pope St. Pius X and Bishop Robert Barron on the quality of instruction scale, I'm probably going to go with Pope St. Pius X. I don't know the recipe, I'm just saying. And it's using the times in church history when that is basically how you deal with error. The church was very, very soft and gentle when it came to dealing with heresies for the most part. But Bishop Nicholas, St. Nicholas, Bishop Nicholas of Myra, clocked Arius. And even, though, and even though his fellow bishops took away his stole, took away his copy of the Gospels, and locked him up, Christ himself would give him back his stole, I think actually a nicer stole, if I remember the story correctly, and a, and a better copy of the Gospels. Of course, it would come from the hands of heaven, so of course. He wasn't just restored. They didn't, he did, our Lord didn't just give St. Nicholas back his stuff. Our Lord gave him stuff from heaven. Hey, where'd you get the stole? Where'd you get the Gospels? Lord gave it to me overnight. Ooh, I guess you were right. Our bad, Nick. <clears throat> Throw Arius in the in the brig or whatever they, or whatever it is that we do to heretics. Oh yeah, that's right. We burn them. Weird. I don't think Arius was burned. <clears throat> I do merely say that to put to point out that you can be gentle. You can also be forceful. And it's prudential judgment that determines which one of those you do. And it's only actually prudential judgment if the way you go about it is specifically for the salvation of souls. And it's only good prudential judgment if the assessment that you make actually does save souls. Now, will you know that for sure? Probably not until the afterlife. But, eh, weird a little. The idea that, El the idea that Elias would get fired at that point. <clears throat> and Baron actually points out, because it's at this point... Where he, where where Baron says, where where God says to Elias, <clears throat> it's about time for you to pick your successor. But here's the deal: if Elias had been fired, he would have been killed. He would not have been carried in a chariot up to heaven. Just because you got carry, carried up to heaven in a fiery chariot does not mean that you got fired. Those are not the same thing. Elias didn't get fired, he got promoted. Big time promoted. We're going to hold on to you and we're going to bring you back at the end of the world. That's, what we're, that's what's happening with you, boss. And you, my friend, are going to wreck shop in super ways when you come back for the apocalypse.
Bishop Barron is alluding to the idea, that, or he's suggesting that Elias got fired. Because the whole point of his sermon is the worst of religion and the best of religion. Thereby also talking about how he doesn't understand the word religion in this sense. Or he's deliberately decided to conceal the Catholic meaning of the word religion. Because the word religion is connected to the, to the virtue of justice. The word religion is rendering unto God, unto God that which is due God. So the idea that something could be the worst of religion, the idea that you could render something to God and that would somehow be the worst, is about as lost as you can be talking about that stuff. There, it is not actually possible for there to be an, a real worst of religion. You either do your duty before God or you don't. The prophet Elias was given the mission to bring God's people back to him. Four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal. Great. Awesome. You guys you guys are you guys rock. You guys rock so much you couldn't even start a fire. Couldn't even get your you couldn't even get your little demon your little demon brood to come down here and start a fire. Which is weird because they shouldn't even actually have to come down here. They should have just been able to come up out of the ground and bring the fire with them. Since he's coming out of hell. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Clearly, you guys are false. 
You guys are fake. Had them put to death. Why? Because they're killing souls. Is it not our Lord who says, have no fear of the have no fear of he who can take your life, but have fear of he who can separate your soul from your body and render them both? This thing that these modernists seem to have. There was no, like, it's not even fully true that God is always going to be in the still small voice. So the sermon talking about, well, he's not in the, he's like the normal sermon that you would get from a Protestant or your average actual Catholic, in part because they're not even reading the right translation of, of, of sacred scripture. They're not reading a correct translation of sacred scripture. They're reading something that's meh, close enough. They're reading from the Nabre, or they're reading from the NIV, or they're reading from the New King James, or they're reading from the King James. All of those are not right. You'll notice I bounced back and forth between the Dewey Ram English and the Latin. Why? Because if you were listening, I mean, except for that one word that I could not get out of my mouth to save my life, reliquerent. Oh, sure, I can say it now. I'm not even looking at the book. I can say it now. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for finally loosening my tongue on that. All right, so, <laughs> sorry. The, um, but with the exception of that one word, the reason, why, the reason why I went through the Latin translation was so that I could focus on the particular words in question. Because when you hear those specific words... Most of the English language is still anchored in Latin. Latin, Hebrew, Greek, for the most part. You got some Scandinavian stuff, like you've got some influences from elsewhere. But the fact is, is that English is still derived, this still has, particularly all of its complex words, all of the really good words, are derived from the Latin. So even if you don't read and write Latin, when I say tenuous, You know the word. You might not know Aurai, 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 but it's spelled A-U-R-A-E. It's where we get the word aural, as in sound, A-U-R-A-L. And then sibilis is actually literally the whistling sound. A whistling sound, literally a whistling sound. So a low sounding whistle, a tenuous whistle, a thin sounding whistle. You can follow those words in particular like because when you focus on the actual words when you and it's one of the reasons why I like that $100 ginormous Biblia Sacra Holy Bible combination 
because in that in that book, it's it's giant, it's black, it's gilded, it's gilded edge pages with gilding and big old cross on the front, and it is and it is line for line English and Latin. So you can literally follow basically word for word, and you don't even pass from one sentence to the next unless both of them pass from one sentence to the next. So you can follow it word for word, and you can actually see. This is actually the word. A tenuous, sibilant sound. A thin breeze. And you can track it word for word. And so when somebody who has entirely too much education comes up and starts talking some garbage because he's not reading the right translation, it's not so you can call him on it, but you can at least know that he's full of it. The overall thesis of this video is that Elijah got fired after he slaughtered the, prop, the 450 prophets of Baal. And that is a lie. He wasn't fired. Who came after him? Think about this. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Let's put this in perspective. Okay, so I slaughter 450 adult false prophets. All right. His successor, Elisha, is coming back from across the River Jordan and some kids poke fun at him for being bald. And he calls bears out of the wilderness to slaughter the children. I don't know the recipe. But I'm just saying that maybe as far as horrifying images go, Killing a bunch of kids who poke fun at you for being bald might be just a touch more extreme. If we're just taking the act itself, 450 prophets, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, slitting the throats of 450 people, 450 dudes, okay, yeah, I got it, but they're prophet, they're false prophets. They're false prophets of demons. They're representatives literally of the unclean one like legit this is one of the five demons this is one of the five chief demons under under the devil so maybe you don't let them through because mind you these are the same people that lead that lead to child sacrifice for moloch these are the same people that lead all sorts of sexual perversion across the countryside these are the same demons like this is the, the same level of demon that they got going on here and Elijah is going, we're not having it. <sighs> off with their, I mean, basically, I mean, he didn't decapitate them, but basically off with their heads. Now compare that on the other side with children who poke fun at the Lord's prophet for being bald. And that prophet calls bears out of the wilderness to consume the kids. And for any of you who, if you've ever been attacked by a bear, heck, if you've ever seen the movie Revenant, that that one movie with Leonardo, I've only ever actually seen one scene from that movie. And it was the bear scene. 
Seriously, I've never seen the movie. I don't I, like. I don't even know what the, what the movie is basically about. But I saw the scene where he gets messed up by that bear. And Elisha has that done to children. And he ain't get fired. I don't know the recipe, I'm just saying. Maybe in the context of the Old Testament during the time of the kings, maybe bishop maybe you're mistaken just maybe now i'm not a theologian you can tell by the language i'm not you know i'm you know i can speak <clears throat> and when my tongue's loose enough i can say words like like reliquerent <clears throat> But I'm not a theologian, and this is a pretty simple reading of sacred scripture. It's pretty easy. It's pretty obvious. You read the sentence. You take time out to reread the sentence if you don't come. Because no joke. Okay, let let me be blunt. Okay? I went into this actually just offended at the idea that that, that, the, that the good bishop decided he was going to say that, Eli, that Elias got fired. <clears throat> I know the story. I know the whole, like I know that whole sequence. It's one of my favorite sequences in the Old Testament. <clears throat> I know the story, but even I was mistaken, mostly because I've I know the story from bad translations. Even I was mistaken about this story, and managed to pick up the one word. By the way, and it's there in the English and the Latin. In the English, it was before. In the Latin, it's ante, meaning before. That those things passed before the Lord, they were not the Lord. And Elias knew they were not the Lord. I didn't know. I thought it was a test. No joke. From when I first got taught, when I when I was first taught the story, when I was 16 years old, in my, in, in my handy dandy non quote unquote non denominational evangelical pro, uh, Pentecost with Pentecostal leanings church, when I was first taught the story, I thought it was a test. The Lord wasn't in the great wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake, but he was in the still small voice. I mean, 30 years I've known that story. Almost. 25, 28, something, something, uh, something like that. Anyway. 30 almost 30 years I've known that story. And I always thought it was a test. And literally, just now, as I'm going back through and I'm finally getting back, because I mean, like I said, it's one of my favorite stories to meditate on it, and I've been meditating on it wrong. Up until this morning, or this evening, excuse me, as I'm recording this. And as I read it in the Dewey Ream, Catholic translation, and bounced and verified it in the Latin Vulgate, I learned today as we were doing this that Elias wasn't being tested. He bloody well knew. So, as kind of an admonishment to those of us who are reverts, converts or reverts to the faith, if, you, if you're coming back, if you're coming to the church and you want to know the truth, 
particularly when it comes to sacred scripture. The stories are largely true. The events are largely accurate. In the various translations, they are largely accurate. But if you don't have the right translation, when it, and when it comes to sacred scripture, you want, you want stuff with pedigree. The Latin Vulgate has centuries of use. The Latin Vulgate has more centuries of use than any other translation on earth. All right? And that matters because that's pedigree. When St. Jerome, when St. Hieronymus did the, did the Latin Vulgate, translated, the Latin, uh, translated what became known as the Latin Vulgate, it is the oldest translation. The Dewey Ream is the oldest Catholic translation. And yes, it is approximately contemporary with the King James. But there's a difference. If you're a convert or a revert to the faith, yes, the King James is beautiful. But the king is not the pope. The king is not the magisterium. And there wouldn't be a King James Version if there wasn't some lecherous wretch who was wearing the crown of England to break away in the first place. It'd be different if the King James in question was actually a devout Catholic. As I understand it, this particular King James, although there were Catholic British kings, they were Scottish actually, This particular King James, I don't think he was. <clears throat> and there were several kings named James, which kind of makes it confusing. King James is not the magisterium. The magisterium is the magisterium. So, the translation into English... Done uh, in Dewey and in Dewey and and in Rem, which is why it's you know the Dewey Rem <clears throat> is the authoritative version. It's the one with the blessing from the church, and it is the oldest one with the blessing from the church into English. So it's and it's a little bit clunkier. It's not as it's not as clean and flowery and florid as the King James Version, I, I, without a doubt. I got it. That is a fact. It's not as, it is not as flowery as the King James Version. You want flowery? Read the Latin. Because the Latin is beautiful. Anyway, <clears throat> I digress. I'm kind of getting off track on that one. <clears throat> the key thing is, is if you're a convert or a revert, and, and you know the stories... You're going to want to go back and double-check them. You're going to want to go back and double-check them with an authoritative version. Something maybe from before the Second Vatican Council. Something maybe done by Catholics from before the Second Vatican Council. And the further back you can go with the scripture, the less likely, the less likely it is that somebody, you know, kind of put their little modernist ideas in there. And don't get me wrong, like I said, 
the stories are largely the same, but there's key differences. The meaning of the words actually, for, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but when I'm reading the, when I'm reading the Dewey Rim and the, and the Latin Vulgate, the meaning of the words, like the true meaning of the words, the meaning of the phrases, the, like what's actually going on feels like it jumps out at me. You catch little nuances in speech that you wouldn't normally catch. And you're like, wait a minute, that word's there for a reason. Why is that word there? And then you bounce over to the other side and you're like, oh, hey, wow. <clears throat> Quiet, whispering voice, Bishop, that is not what it says. Maybe what it says in your translation, literally your translation, since you had Turd on Fire Ministries actually translate a version, do a translation. It may actually say that in your version. Okay, got it. But that is not what it says. And it was not a test. <sighs> and it was not an admonishment. Oh, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be so mean to the prophets of Baal. I mean they're only false prophets who are leading the people astray and damning souls into hell. But you shouldn't be mean to them. You gotta be ecumenical. If you really want a fun article, actually, LifeSite News had a, had a really good news article today um, talking about uh, Muslim con former Muslims who converted to Catholicism issuing a letter to Pope Francis, an open letter to Pope Francis, asking him, if Islam's so good, why did I, like, why did I risk my life to convert to Catholicism? You should definitely go over and check that out. It's, it's worth the read. It's a very good read. Um, it's kind of a long article. They get into details. They get into details and the number of people who signed it, and they and they weren't originally going to do the open letter, but it's the same thing. Because Francis does the same thing that Baron is doing in this. He's doing exactly the same thing. You gotta be ecumenical. All religions lead to, all religions can save you, all religions can sanctify you, Islam can sanctify you just as much as Catholicism. Which is totally not true. <clears throat> See, even when I was practicing the occult, I still considered myself a Christian. Why? Because I read the Quran. It's trash. I've read it. That's not the book you want to guide your life by. <clears throat> it is written in the freaking book that the prophet's wife says to him, hey, aren't you supposed to do this thing? Well, Allah said I can do this. It's different for me. And she says, why is it? I'm surprised. I'd be willing, and no joke, I'd be willing to bet she got slapped in the face. Isn't it nice to have a God that caters to your every wish? Does that sound like God to you? Or does that sound like something else? <clears throat> Gracious. Got to be ecumenical. <laughs> Elias got fired 
because he wasn't ecumenical. Because he, he was too harsh. No. <clears throat> he didn't get carried up to heaven having never died. Because he was that good of a friend of God. Oh, hey, by the way, if you're so... <clears throat> Enoch actually lays the groundwork, okay? So Enoch walked the earth for 365 years and then was not. Because God took him. He walked with God for 365 years and then God took him. Doesn't happen to anybody else on the planet. Nobody else on the planet walks with God the way Enoch walks with God. Except, possibly, Elias. It is distinctively possible that Elias knew God pretty much as good as Moses did. Moses, who got to see the backside of God. But even Moses dies. Enoch walks with God. He's a friend of God. He's a close friend of God. And God takes him up to heaven. Does that sound... When God does the same thing to Elias, does that sound like Elias got fired? Anyway... I'm about to repeat myself because then, you know, because I was going to draw it back to Elisha with the children who poke fun at him for being bald, and then he calls the bears, which seems to me, still seems to me, I mean, even to this day, still seems to me like a little bit of an overreaction. Bears called out to consume children. Meh. I don't know, the like, seriously, dude, like... Anyway, so what he does in this sermon, and I really can't believe, oh Lord, I really can't believe that he calls it, a, actually I can believe he calls it a sermon, because this is some Protestant nonsense. This is some cursed Protestant nonsense is what this is. He chose a heresy because it fits the message and the agenda of the post-Vatican II church, the Fratelli Tutti church. Okay, because that's what this is. That's what this sermon is. This sermon is the Fratelli Tutti Church. Elias got fired because he was too rigid. He was so rigid, he massacred 450 prophet, false prophets of a demon. <clears throat> anyway. If you made it all the way this po this far, like, no joke, obviously, <laughs> obviously, I don't speak with the softness of a priest. And if there's a priest out there, if I've made an error, if there's a bishop out there, Bishop Barron, if you somehow manage to hear this thing and you want to talk about it, you want to make the correction... And oh, hey, by the way, if you want to talk about how my I, I used a very harsh tone, <clears throat> Excellency, we're just going to have to agree to disagree because I used the same tone as the prophet Elias on some cursed Protestant nonsense. But if you're a priest, if you're a theologian, if I made an error here, 
If I said something in error, because to be sure, anything good I say on this podcast ever is definitely not me, okay? I intro the show every day as Caleb the Mechanic. I don't intro the show every day as Caleb the Bishop. So if I made an error here, you can email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. You can DM me on Twitter at Mighty Colibri, M-I-G-H-T-Y-C-O-L-I-B-R-I. You can find me on SP3RN at Caleb the Mechanic. You can, if if you missed the email, you can find, you can actually send me an email through the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com. You just click the contact thing and fill out the little thing and you send me and you send, send me the admonishment and make the correction. I'm not even joking. I will never never ignore a correction. I might not apply it immediately, especially if like this one dude actually went to make a correction to me over uh, an encyclical that Pope Leo the thirteenth wrote. And I, and I tried to tell the dude like 15 times, hey, you need to explain this to me because I do not understand. And he's just like, Aah! and I'm like, okay, well that I'm going to ignore because I just flat out told you I do not understand. So you're going to have like, you got to break it down Barney style for me. My freaking Twitter handle has been Caleb the Mechanic for years. If you ever think I'm going to come at you theologically speaking and not be open to correction, because you might know more than me. I mean, I'm pretty stupid, so it's really, like, it's a lot bigger than a non-zero chance that you might know more than me. You know, someone like Ryan Grant, with as much with as much of the works, like, yeah, he's not officially a theologian, but the dude's translated so many works, if he makes it on the spot, he goes, no, that's not really what the Latin means. Like, no joke. Not even joke. He comes back, Ryan, by the way, if you happen to hear this, you come back at me and say, hey, that's not really what the Latin word means. I'm there. You let me, like, legit. I'm not a translator. I get lucky. I get lucky the fact that I'm, you know, I'm a polyglot, and so I can pick up languages really quickly and kind of dissect them and see what they mean really quickly. But I'm not a Latin translation dude. About 30% of the time when, when he's actually doing those really awesome, snarky comments in Latin on Twitter, I gotta go back and go, all right, that's not in my vocabulary. What word is that? What, what is that right there? <laughs> is that phenomenal guy. You know, if Father Ripperger were to hear this, be like, hey, you're being a moron. And I'm like, oh, crap. Well, first, I'm be like, oh, holy cow, Father Ripperger just sent me an email. And second, I'm be like, oh, crap, I must be being a moron. Because <laughs> he's generally pretty blunt. In this particular, and believe me, I'm not a big fan of the fact that literally a mechanic is actually out here doing a podcast going toe-to-toe with a bishop who said something so obviously wrong. And I know I'm not going to be the only one. By the way, if you want a better talk about it, like Taylor Marshall, who's actually good at this stuff, I know he's talking about it. I, have, I haven't even actually checked. I know he's talking about it, and I would recommend that you go, that you go watch his show because I know he's going to break this joker down because when I saw that, I wanted to, like I, I wanted to go apoplectic with that video clip. 
because it's one of those obvious things. Taylor Marshall, like any of these other dudes who are actually like, you know, historians and philosophers and theologians, if I'm mistaken, you know, I'll defer to them. But this one was obvious. You're not going to mess up my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. That ain't happening, boss. <clears throat> I don't care if you have a miter. Need to go get that thing tuned up. Anyhow. <clears throat> Whew. Had me hot. Oh, pray for the church. Pray for Bishop for Bishop Barron's conversion. Like, seriously, this, this is actually a pretty big deal. This is heresy that goes back a couple of years. This is, like I said, the video for this is August 9th, 2020. This is heresy, goes back a couple of years. So pray for the conversion of the bishop. Because he needs a conversion of heart to look at this in a manner that is not. You do not get to look at the one true faith as the worst of religion and the best of religion. That's not a thing. And that's what the implication in this video is. It's a 13-minute video. That's what the implication in the video is. So pray for his conversion. A reversion. I mean, this, for crying out loud, this is the bishop brought me to the faith. And he, oh, Lord. Anyway. Anyway, pray for the church. Pray for our nation. Because while I'm busy talking about this, there are some really big other stories that are going on that definitely need our attention. And pray for us in Catholic social media, because I know there's more than a few of us who saw that video and went apoplectic just went nuts like what and so pray that we don't accidentally straight lead you astray either Ugh. this is caleb the mechanic with radio free catholic may god bless you and the virgin protect you nomine patris et filiat spiritus sancti amen hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 